episode number 51 of the New York Painters podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and I'm alongside my co-host, Luca. And today, we're going to be having on Mike Ruff from NHL Network. We're going to discuss with him his career, as well as talking analysis about the New York Rangers. Uh, and yeah, if you guys have any questions about the podcast, just go to our Twitter handle, at NYPangersPod, and just DM us a question and all that. Uh, yeah, let's get to it. And we are excited to have on NHL analyst and former NHL player, Mike Rupp. Rupper, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for uh, having me on, boys. It's good to catch up with you. Thank you so much for jumping on. And I really, I'm going to start with this. So you have one of the coolest introductions to like a Wikipedia page ever. It's going to, it starts off with Rupp scored Stanley Cup clinching goal and first Stanley Cup playoff goal in his career in the 2003 Stanley Cup finals. Like, that's like I feel like that. Like, have you ever thought of like hiring someone as you walk into every room to like just <laughs> say that, announce that? Say that announce it as a title, like almost like Daenerys Targaryen had seventeen names, almost. Like, you ever think about that? Uh, uh, I have an idea for you. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I like that idea. Maybe we might have to find someone. Uh, it, you know, and it's funny. It's um, whatever. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm really not trying to play it coy at all. With uh, play it down. I, I'm. I'm it's obviously something that still sinks in. I think to this day, like what that experience was. Um, but I always say like, there's quite a few layers to that as far as having a record. Right. So, uh, yeah. you know, it just, because, uh, whatever it's, it's super cool. I was a part of something great. I mean, that team, um, you know, I didn't play to the last four games in the finals in the playoffs at all. So I think that that's kind of part of it too. Right. Like, um, Generally speaking, if you haven't gotten a goal for your team until you know all the way to the finals, you're, you're probably going to be a scratch. I would assume. I wasn't playing to begin with, so I got thrown in. So that's another one. That's a good you point. don't really see that that often, right? Like, I, and I remember back at that time, like I was a black ace, um, and I was uh, for those that don't know, black ace is an extra uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs that every team has practicing, mostly you know, the American League team maybe like three, four, five guys from that team. Um, so you basically have the NHL roster that has the lineup, probably two extras, and then the black aces, right? So when you're looking at it from that standpoint, you're like, well, I mean, I could be, theoretically, I could be, I'm at least number three. Like I'm a third forward deep and as far as like the bullpen. And then I have to be the best option out of the black aces. So um it was a really weird spot because uh, for whatever reason, Pat Burns at that time in New Jersey chose me to go into the game. And I kind of like bunny hopped everybody. Yeah. So uh, it was a, it was a situation that doesn't happen often, actually very rarely ever happens. So uh, I'm certainly grateful for the opportunity I got, but it was, yeah, it was, it was an awesome, awesome moment. I actually have another one, another NHL record, for this is even better because uh, I, I'm saying this tongue in cheek because there's so many layers to this one. I'm the first NHL player in uh, in history to play his first NHL game on his birthday and score two goals. So it's like no one's ever touching that. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that a... you just get your first game on your birthday is probably enough right there. That's that. That's a really cool one. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's really cool. I didn't. I didn't know that one. All right, so at the end of the day, that. at the end of the day, uh, you know, if that's my mark in uh, in hockey is is having two very obscure records, I'll take it. <laughs> um. So, and there's another obscure one as well. You were drafted twice. Yeah. That. So how does how did that work? Because it feels like, um, was it is it similar to the way that 
it works now where if a player is drafted and they go to college for like three years, they kind of they can kind of re-enter or just become a free agent. Was it similar different back then before the lockout? Because I feel like a lot of things changed for uh, yeah, so lockout. to be honest with you, I don't I don't even know what the exact draft rules are nowadays. It's changed a lot. Like there's all I know is it how it affected me as a going to play major junior. You, I got drafted my 18-year-old year. So, 98, I got drafted. Um, I got drafted by the Islanders in the first round. And you have uh, the date of the draft. What It doesn't matter. It, it was the end of end of June of, of 98. You have until June 1st of 2000. So, you get two years. Teams get two years to sign you. So, it gives them the the time. It's enough padded time where they could figure out who you are. I mean, all, all of the players at 18, 19, they're still trying to find their way. Like some kind of are plateauing at that time. Some are still growing and, and, and building their game. Right. So, um, so you have, I had until uh, June 1st of, of 20, uh, or sorry, of 2000 to sign with them. And I ended up not signing with them. Um, it was just more of a situation where, um, yeah, I don't know, as my agent and, and Mike Milbury were kind of talking and the Islanders organization was kind of not, it was kind of a mess to be honest with you. And, um, you know, I, I it wasn't like, I was like thinking to myself, I'm not going to play for that organization. I would have done anything played anywhere. I, there's no guarantee. I was even going to play in the NHL. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, but it was not, it was a situation where um, I was drafted quite a bit higher than I was projected to get drafted. And uh, the thought that my agent and I uh, and my family had was we didn't tell you to draft us top 10, you know, like you drafted us top 10. So with being drafted in that place, we felt like there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a um, expectations of what uh, uh, your signing would look like. And it didn't look like that. Right. So we're like, all right. And kind of went back and draft. It's kind of funny though. Cause actually I probably would have pushed him to shove uh, probably would have just signed what they were offering my agent. Um, kind of leaned back into Mike Milbury and said, well, if that's all you're willing to offer uh, Mike, then just be prepared. Let him go back in the draft, which isn't a great look for the organization to let a first round pick. Like you're basically just wasting. And uh, so Milbury um, got pissed off. He hung up the phone. Um, And then, so this is very uncharacteristic of him. Yeah. Which is weird. I'm sure we wouldn't have projected that to be an option. Mike Milbury, but (laughs) Uh, so this is like this is literally the eleventh hour. I forgot that part. This is the like in twelve hours I'm entered back in the draft. So it's a like eleventh hour potential signing, and uh, it got to the point where I was sitting there talking to my parents, and I was like, you know, I just want a chance to play. Like I don't care, like whatever. So then my dad ended up calling my agent back and said, uh, "We'll accept it." And my agent was calling Mike. Mike wasn't answering the phone. He didn't answer the phone. So he let the 12, he let midnight come. And then next, you know, I had to go back in the draft. I got drafted three weeks later, uh, this time third round uh, by the devils. And then, yeah, that's where I started my career. So what made you want to become an NHL analyst and how did you transition into that role so easily? Uh, well, thank you for saying it's, it was easy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't feel like it always, uh, felt like that. Um, it's, uh, you know, weeks, he's weeks. He's my boy. Like Kevin weeks and I are, are really tight. I play with him in New Jersey. Um, I watched, so his last year in the NHL was uh, when we played together in Jersey in around like 2008 time, I think. 
and uh, he was making that transition, and he was on Hockey Night in Canada. He he got pretty big pretty quick, right? So, um, and the idea was when I was playing. I mean, I was always a sports radio kind of junkie kid as when I was young, and even now. I mean, I've got I've always I've loved Jim Rome. I I have my my sports talk guys I've listened to in the past and, and stuff now too. I just it's it's always something I have on in the background in all sports and I've I've loved it. It's like my kind of speed, right? So kind of always wanted to do a little bit of something. In my last couple of years of playing, um, you know, so I was always picking at Kevin's brain on things. And then my last couple of years of playing, uh, I was started just doing some more media stuff, right? Just would volunteer a little bit more of doing the stuff on the, on the teams I was on. And then even while I was playing, I was doing a weekly hit on um, Sirius XM, that the NHL network radio. So I was just like, I like this stuff. It's fun. I, I and quite frankly, I didn't know what I want to do. I, I knew I was going to, I needed to work when I was done playing. I just didn't know what I wanted to do and this would buy me some time. And then I just started liking it more and more. So, um, you know, I think the biggest thing that I was, always advised by former players is just don't disappear you can't don't it feels great like everybody wants to unplug you had a long career you you grinded it out you want to kind of take some time and and let things die down but at the same time like once you it's out of sight out of mind uh you want to stay in in the public eye as far as in in hockey and 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 i that's all i was doing and then it ended up i just started liking it and it's challenging and and just kind of keep working at it no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and it's, it's, but it's interesting because, like, you see some people that, like, I mean, struggled right out the gate with retirement. I mean, I, Brett Favre retired 18 times. You know what I mean? Like, it's, but uh, when you say, like, what, you know, you're talking about, like, you mentioned how it was, like, easy or it wasn't easy. Like, that's what we, we said. Uh, I just always think of Tino Martinez when he retired and went into, like, the studio and it was, like, and I love Tino. He was one of my favorite players watching the Yankees growing up. And it was just like, you could tell, like, it was like, this is not going to work. And like, and that was the first time I ever saw an athlete like fail at that. And I'm like, I, I love Tino. Like, this is like yeah. for me. So like, you do make it look really easy and that, then, you know, and I wow. know that's not, but that's also probably from the years of just watching it and listening to it for so long. Yeah. So it, that in a way that was like your kind of schooling for it. Yeah, it, no, it's really true. Showed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it kind um, of, yeah, no, you just kind of, you, you, you worked at it. I, I didn't know I was working at it by just observing yeah. it and looking at it. I mean, it's the same thing with, with you guys. I don't, I don't know your guys' background, whatever, but the more you talk, the more you put yourself out there, the more you go into uncomfortable situations, you get better. Like when yeah. I got done playing, uh, people like take on as many speaking engagements as you can. Hmm. Like, I'm like, what does that mean? So I like I I emceed some events for like fundraisers and stuff, and I was really nervous. Like I was like, "This sucks. I don't want to do this." And yeah. you know, I did. I I it was I wanted to do it obviously for whatever the cause was, but like I was just like I'm uncomfortable here. But uh, I've always been a guy when I was playing that's likes you know, was a storytelling guy. Guys would always seem to. You know, you don't always feel confident in that. You just say what you think, but guys would always say, "Hey, rapper, tell a story or whatever." So you you figure you you got you're okay at it to some degree. I actually do have a story for you guys about Tino Martinez that you just mentioned. Uh, we were in Nashville. What were we? What were we in Nashville for? Because it would I don't think it was the Stanley Cup Finals. It could have been Stanley Cup Finals. That would have been against the Penguins. 
but it may have been there was an all-star game there too um yeah. maybe maybe it was that i'm trying to remember which one it was but anyways so again i i grew up big sports fan i i knew uh uh, the guy was not so much now because I'm covering hockey so much, but I mean, NBA, NFL, MLB, like I knew all that stuff just as much as I knew hockey when I was even playing. And uh, so we were we were in Nashville and we're sitting there and uh, we're having a beer um, at the end of the day. And uh, EJ Raddick, who I work with NHL Network, sitting there and he's a big Yankees fan. He goes, oh, look, it's Tino Martinez over there. And I know where. And I turn around and I look and I'm like, where and he goes right over there against the wall and he's describing where he's at and i'm like that's that's not tino martinez and he goes he goes yeah it is i'm trust me i know and i'm like no trust me i know that's not tino martinez and we're kind of going back and forth and i'm like you know what ej i'm like i'll prove it to you i get up and i walk over to him and uh he's in a, like a crowd i think it's his family he's with and so i walk up and i just walk in there i'm just I'm being pretty brazen with it. Just walk in. I walk up to him and I go, I'm like, excuse me. Hey, listen, my buddy over there says you're Tina Martinez. Can you just confirm like, you know, like, can you look over and like laugh or something? Like I, I obviously you're not Tino. And he goes, no, I am. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, you have a good day. You want to, can I get you a beer or something? And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm like, all right, cool, man. Thanks. And I walked away. I was like, I felt like it's such an idiot. And like, I went over to EJ. EJ's like, why would you challenge me on that? I'm like, I thought I knew. I thought I knew, but. So uh, Tino is uh, it was a it was a kind of a, an embarrassing moment for me because I was like oh I just look like an idiot now. That's funny. Um, yeah, so we're gonna you know something about the Rangers this year. We're gonna tra- transition to them for a second here. Um, it's really interesting. Have you ever been on a team that has had high expectations like the Rangers kind of had this year after losing in six games in the Eastern Conference Finals to? Just struggling out the gate with consistency, uh, but also with these high expectations. Have you ever been on a team that has kind of struggled like that? Oh man, um, the, honestly, I mean, it's I don't I don't know if I've been on a team. Well, see, I, I think it's different for the Rangers because when you like you mentioned, you get to you get two wins away from the Stanley cup finals. There's certainly going to be a high expectation for your team the next year. So I haven't really been in that situation. Like I, I, I don't think that it's, if I was in that situation, like after we won the cup, we didn't necessarily, we probably weren't lighting the world on fire to start the next season, but we weren't struggling, I guess, or not looking like a kind of a, uh, a different team and and you can argue the Rangers have looked like that this year so yeah. far up to a certain degree. Um, so I, yeah, it's tough. I, I think that the, the hard thing I know in sports is like, or just in playing, playing hockey expectations suck. Like it oh, sucks. Yeah. And you put expectations on yourself. That's why it's so hard. Like you ask, you hear people ask players before season starts, do you have any goals set in mind? Like what is your, Everybody has it. You don't want to say it. I'm not going to oh, yeah. come out. I'm not going to come out and be like, well, you know, I want to score 20 goals this year. You're, you're setting the bar. Like it's, it's just, just go play, you know? And I feel like that all the things that went well for this team last year um, just weren't happening for them early on. You know, it was just a little different. And this is a team that relied heavily upon. I mean, it's great that we can talk about this right now when we're when we're doing this interview because it the the, the big things have started to turn in their favor. But I mean, this is a team. They're very similar to Edmonton of last year. Both teams make it to the conference finals. 
And to get back to where you need to get to, you're obviously going to need great play from all the same players. You're going to need Igor to keep doing his thing. You're going to need, you know, Cried to score big goals, big moments. Uh, you can go on and on throughout the lineup. But the thing that's going to get you back to the same level but or exceed that level is the young guys taking the next step. And yeah. for the Rangers, we know who those guys are. It's it's Laugh, it's Kako, it's it's Heedle. And for the for the uh Oilers, it's uh Jesse Pugliarvi. It's Kyler Yamamoto. And uh so yeah, yeah, the, the Bouchard, those young players that take the next step, and that's what's gonna get them back to the same place or exceed that, right? And it takes time. Every player, every young player is different. I mean, you can even argue, I mean, Jesse Pugliarvi. The other day, uh, you know, for Ranger fans that don't know, I mean, he was fourth overall pick by a big boy, big Finnish kid, gets opportunities. He's playing with, um, you know, he's playing with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. He, 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 he can't score. Like, he's snakebitten. Yeah, he he gets opportunities, and then, and then his consistency drops off, then his ice time gets taken away. And it's this thing that's been going on for a few years now. And they are such a, a team, a cap team, that they have to have their younger players playing above their contracts in, yeah. in order to make it work as far as like their salary matrix. He did an interview in a Finnish newspaper last week, and I love his candidness. Uh, probably won't do it again, unfortunately, because it's kind of run with it. But he yeah. basically said, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if this league's for me. I don't know if I can do it here. Like, I don't know if I've stopped developing. Like, it's hard to read because you're like, no, man. Like, he's got all the tools. You got drafted there for a reason, all these things. And it's it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot yeah. of pressure on these top picks. Uh, so, you know, that's something they're trying to navigate throughout there. I think mean, Kyler Yamamoto got his first goal of the season, like, two nights ago. So, um, they're going through some of the same stuff, but on the flip side, now all of a sudden you start seeing the Rangers putting their guys in the position to succeed. Uh, they're getting it done the last, whatever, was it three, four games? Yeah, yeah three games. And uh, yeah, I think they got four goals uh, in that time and, and, and it looks great. And we'll see how long it can last. But uh, I think that's the hardest part is just like the expectations that were set last year as much as, hey, I was in it was during the the Carolina series. It was the first time I've gone to an NHL game and I went, my, my girlfriend and I went to the game. She's a big Rangers fan. I, I went, I was wearing my Rangers hat. I was like, I, I wasn't NHL network. I wasn't, yeah. I, I was like, all right, I want to go in. I want to dig in for one of my former teams and watch what they're doing. This is a special ride. And I went to the garden. I had a blast. Like it was awesome. Like being a fan again at a game. Cause usually I don't have that. I have some sort of responsibility at the game. And so being a part of that run was so great. And all of us, I'm sure you guys are in the same boat, love that experience. But at the same time, all I was thinking in the back of my mind is this is setting this team up for a little bit of disappointment next year, just because they went from here to here, like in one year, like they weren't supposed to do that. And that's why this year it's like, be patient. I, it, they just got to have these young guys moving along. And I, I do think that they'll be okay and they'll be fine. And, you know, fortunately we're starting to see that in the last number of games. So do you think that there are some things the Rangers can do to establish more uh, consistent play and keep this three game win streak on? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, 
we know about their uh we know about their kind of some of their players lack of five on five production i think has been an issue um you know as much as i love artemi he's incredible i mean what a what a shootout goal the other night i mean it's just silly what he does uh he does so many different things uh out on the ice if if he can create a little bit more five on five, but th- that goes hand in hand with he's had a lot of revolving doors as far as on his line. You know, you see, I think Gerard Gallant's still trying to find out what's going to work, what what kind of mix you want. Um, you know, I, I think that this is a team that um, the biggest thing that I think they're lacking this year is some game managers. And what I mean by that is, and you could argue that that's what Andrew Kopp was. That's what, you know, Frankie Vitrano was a little bit different in the way he did it. Tyler Mott, although he didn't play as big of a role, he's a game manager. He, oh, we, lo- we loved him. I love yeah. Tyler Mott. And uh, so I guess the easier way of me saying it is like, look at some of these leads that the, the team has given up. Usually it's like they'll grab a hold of momentum in a game and then they'll just give it right back. And it's like you have to sustain. You don't even have to keep building your momentum. You just have to like not allow them to wrestle it back, right? Yeah. And so a coach wants a player that's like in any moment that you just say like, "Give me a shift this line." You know what I mean? Like, uh, like, like Jacob, give me a. I need your line. Do a job right now. And your job is just to just to keep things steady, right? Don't play in the offense, or sorry, don't play in the defensive zone. Don't get running around. Don't take chances for that shift or two, and just kind of keep the other team down. That's been something I feel like that they haven't really have gotten that much. It's probably because they're trying to find everybody slotting in appropriately. Because eventually, on this roster, they have players that can do that, but they're kind of spread around the lineup in different areas to kind of try to find a um, a spark. Right? I mean, if you sit there and look at the the this roster, I mean. If you can, if you can ever get to the point where things are cooking with the young guys that are up there with Mika right now, healthy and and maybe find some chemistry with Panarin and Heedle, I think that they think the game the same way. Fill in who you want on the wing on that line, but if you can find it or get to a place where you have a Vinny Trocheck, I don't know, Chris Kreider, and like Barclay Goodrow on your third line. Like that now that's the game managing line because all those yeah. guys are veteran guys. They know how to do it. I'm just throwing a line out there. I mean, this yeah. it might be fantasy land to think that that would be a third line, but, but just to be like, all right, that line is, is dangerous, can do some, some things, but they also know and can go out there and give us the shift to manage the game in the moment, manage the momentum. That's been the one thing I think that they've kind of been lacking is I don't think Gerard Gaunt has that line that he could just throw out there in a situation and just expect to, stability in that moment they've been kind of fluctuating up and down you know you say uh it's so you you talk about how like you know Heedle, Loff and Paco kind of all need to together or you know individually one of them needs to take that next step really for this team to go to where you know this team these expectations have been set um and it's really hard when you talk about young guys taking the next step to not look across the Hudson River and realize what the Devils are doing right now. And it is so annoying to just turn on the TV and just watch. Like it's like the St. Louis Rams in the late '90s on on ice right yeah. now. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about like what they're doing and and just 
because at, at first i honestly i was just like oh okay like they'll come back down to earth they'll come back down to earth no they they're they're making they're playing yeah. right now they're this is this is who they are yeah no they're 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 definitely legit and i i was in that same boat as you and again that's you know i've had some devils fans coming at me they're like well i can't believe that you're not believing in us i'm like hey listen i'm not gonna sit here and what i do and, and with nhl network and i think Fans deserve me to say what I think, not because of any loyalties that I've had, right? Yeah. Um, Devils were god-awful last year. They were horrendous. They couldn't keep the puck out of their net. Their goaltending, it was, a lot of it was due to that. Um, it was horrendous where I was thinking to myself, like, this is a team that I thought had a bright future. They have some great pieces. I, I love Jack Hughes and what he brings, but I'm like, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know what's going on there. And... Uh, they did score a lot of goals last year, though. They did yeah. score a lot of goals. They just couldn't keep it out of their net. So when this starts happening this year, and, the, and you're right, they do look like, uh, uh, what did they call the Rams? The greatest show on turf, right? Yeah. And uh, so these guys are are unbelievable. I'm like, all right, it's it's early. It's early. We'll see how this works later on. But they are real. They are real because they're defending really well. Their decors set up nice. I, I think the biggest thing, and I, I know this from – um. I spoke with um, with Tom Fitzgerald, the GM, mm. and talked about like what's different for them. And basically, he said that they got to the point where they just have to play their young guys, just play them. Like it's it's he didn't say it, but it's me filling in the blank. It's almost sink or swim. You know what I mean? Like think yeah. of it from that. Think of it from this standpoint. You have so many young guys for that regime. If we're gonna still be at the helm here, it's going to be because these guys succeed. If yeah. if they don't succeed, we don't succeed. The team doesn't succeed. Nobody like you're committed. Once you draft players in certain positions and they're in the NHL, you they have to serve. They have to thrive, or you're not going to have your job. I don't care what team you're on. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if you're. It, I mean, maybe a, a one-off here or there. Like if a, if a guy's not showing anything, yeah, you know, but you're talking about in the in the devil standpoint, you're talking about two first overall picks. You're talking about, um, you know, uh, like a, a Dawson Mercer. I think and you're starting to see it now with his Alexander Holtz. Like he, they're going to start feeding these guys ice time and they're taking advantage. I, I do still hesitate. I think that they're almost playing themselves they're almost in a territory now where they should, regardless of what happens, make the playoffs. But that Romanov hit the other night on uh, Miles Wood, that to me, and in Cal Clutterbuck, I, I went on Twitter, I'd like retweeted something that was reported like Clutterbuck's comments afterwards, basically saying that's a, as big of a hit you're going to get in, in the NHL these days. And basically if a team is that, comfortable with the middle of the ice this will maybe stop them from feeling so comfortable and that to me was like that's it that is yeah. verbalized perfectly for this devil's team because we're 30 games in under 30 games in yeah. and the way the nhl season always works is and I don't, let's say whatever the the, the uh, third of the way mark is which is pretty much now uh that's the first third is completely different than the next and then the, and then the the end of the season the last you know 25 games yeah it's totally different parts of the ice that were available in the first uh term of uh, i guess the the first third of the season 
It's not there. It's going to change. And teams are going to buckle down. Right now, the, the first start of a season, that's why every year we've seen Buffalo. We've seen New Jersey in the past. I remember back in the early 2000s, it was like the Islanders and the Leafs. Every single first 20 games are in first place. They missed the playoffs by a, an abs- exceptional amount of points, right? Yeah. And because the game changes. Because at the beginning of the season, it's almost like, it's not a feeling out process. There's nobody that's not giving it everything they have, but it's just like, you're going just, you're playing, you're going yeah. and you're playing the coaches and the GMs are trying to establish what they have. They're trying to run with what they got. The second kind of phase of the season, the second third is all right, this is what we've got. Let's try. And the, but those are the dog days. Those are the days where you like the emotion. That's why it's important to have certain guys and elements on your team to keep the keep it going because it's on a Tuesday night in Winnipeg, if you're an Eastern conference team, it's like, Holy shit. How are we going to get enough energy to be a difference maker in this game? Like it, it's tough. It's not like the NFL where you get one day a week to, to, to basically explode. Right. And, yeah. uh, and then the, and then the last third of the season, it's playoff, it's playoff time right now. And coaches are sitting there and you are, you're in the war room breaking down every tendency. And so my point is, the Devils are extremely, extremely comfortable with the middle of the ice. They're incredible. What I'm watching is no fluke. They are yeah, the yeah. real deal. But what is also going to change is the other teams are going to take away that middle of the ice. And that Romanoff hit on Miles Wood is going to be a perfect example. And everyone around the league's talked about that hit because it was huge. And everyone's going to mark it. And they're going to say, that's what we need to do. That's where they are comfortable. Let's make them uncomfortable with the middle of the ice. We'll see if they can deal with it. But the other part of me too is like I'm always waiting because just because there's a lack of there's a lack of uh, history with Vitek Vanacek, there's a yeah, lack yeah. of history with Mackenzie Blackwood when he's when he's healthy. There's a there's a lack of um, you know history with Schmid. I don't know is 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 the goaltending going to be there? It's been awesome. I hope it is, man. I don't want anything bad for. I want players to thrive. Yeah, but there's been nothing that showed me that Vitek Vanacek can keep this up through an entire season. So that that could be a, a point of emphasis that could kind of derail them a little bit too. It's so, interesting because it's uh, we're just piggybacking on this real quick, Jake, because you you kind of said something that a lot of Ranger fans have been like hoping that the Rangers, uh, it's 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 the Rangers with their young guys have kind of not been able to do what the Devils had to do with their young guys. They haven't had to rely on Lafreniere, Kako, and Heedle really, because you have Panarin, Zabanjad, and Kreider, and you know, in years past, Strom kind of taking those top line minutes and all of the power play one time up. So I think that's it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because that's something that like a lot of people have been pounding the table for, uh, trying to get some of these young guys or if one of them up to that first power play to get them yeah. at least more ice, um, to get them some touches in space, um. So I think that would, in essence, it, it might might not. I have no idea. Who knows? Uh, help one of them get going, get cooking yeah. a little bit. I don't know. Um, but it's really. I love what you said about the yeah. the open ice. Yeah. No. The only the only the thing I would say there too, it's like it. It's a little bit different than New Jersey though, because New Jersey, like I said, they stunk. So yeah. what is it going to hurt to play these guys more? Yeah, and we're starting to see results, and I think Gerard Gallant start. It, it's trust when you're a, a team that's supposed to be competitive to win a Stanley Cup, and that's what the the Rangers are. You're in win now mode every night. You know, they, there's a reason why Shane Wright 
can't play more than six minutes in Seattle right now is 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 the fourth overall pick because because they're in a playoff race now. And yeah, that's yeah. more than what they thought they were going to do. So, like, do we have time to break this guy in? Like, there's going to be some bumps. There always is. Like, do we want to do that where this kid's now going to be shouldering, giving up potentially points in the in the early season? This could this could mess him up as far as his confidence. It's it's a different animal. So I I don't envy Gerard Gallant's situation because he went from two games from the Stanley Cup Finals. All right, now I need to get these guys to the next level. And there's times where they. They, they look like they're there. There's times where they seem like they need a little more time being groomed. So it's like, it, it's a tough spot, but I think now it's almost gotten to the point where just do it, just do it, just do it. And let's smoke it out now. And if you go and give them five, 10 games up in that spot, and if it doesn't look good and if it's not good and it's not right, that's your answer, unfortunately. But so far it looks great. Uh, he looks like a, a genius, but I, I agree. I've been, I've been hearing the, the Ranger fans calling for it too. And, and it's in their right. And they're right. I mean, you know, looking at this team, their future is these guys adding more, right? That's the salary cap world. They have to. So, yeah, it's uh, I'm just happy it's happening and they're having success right now. Has there uh, ever been a time I know we just mentioned the Miles Wood hit. Has there ever been a time in your career where there was, you know, a massive clean hit and there was all brawl broke out? And someone brought the person that was hit aside is like, hey, you got to keep your head up or that doesn't usually happen. Yeah, so I, it's funny because there's been a lot of – that's the thing I love about this and doing this side of the job. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm right all the time. I, my job is to give my opinion from my experience. So some fans are like, you know, I, I get annoyed sometimes when fans say, you have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, well, I think I have some sort of idea. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I it's just – I have some experience to go off of. But, like, I, I respect everyone's decision in this. Do I love the fact that people have to fight – after uh, a clean hit no i don't i don't i think that there's a i think there's a there is a huge um lack of awareness this movement in young players nowadays where players think that you can't get hit in certain situations and they put themselves in terrible spots and this isn't about um you know you know i'm i'm 42 it's not about an older guy that wants there to be toughness in it no it's it's a physical league it's never going to change it's like football it, it there is physical contact and when you as a young kid you have to realize i'm going to get hit now i'm going to try to put myself in positions not to take bad hits i'm going to try to i don't i don't think anyone thinks about that anymore they just go and they're like it's 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 dangerous now the way that some guys do things but on the same note because you, first of all, you don't ever have to fight. If I come, if if I come and I hit a guy clean, a big hit, and someone comes after me, I don't have to fight. Like there's rules in, involved here. This isn't the this isn't the wild wild west of the seventies. You know, you're gonna have seven guys dropping their gloves and beating you up, and you have nothing. You know, bench clearing brawls like that. That stuff doesn't exist anymore. So you never have to fight. But my other part is too, and this is the part that some people have an issue with, is if I'm on the Devils. And Miles Wood, who's our more, who's our probably our most physical player. Uh, it doesn't matter. Take the number and name off the back of his jersey. I don't care who it is. If any one of my teammates is laying on the ice, dinged up, I don't care if it's on purpose, an accident, yeah. a fluky play. I, you have to say, you have to do something about it. That doesn't mean fighting. Go and face wash the guy. Go and let him know that you can't f and do that. 
you know, try to run someone on there. You because that you need to know that we all have each other. We all have each other's back, and we're not going to tolerate that. So uh, I like the response of of the Devils in, in that regard. Uh, but you know, it's it's. Uh, I think that you need to always not be okay with your teammates laying on the ice, regardless of the situation. You know, and uh, and, and again, yeah, I think it's. I think it's a little bit silly. Um, I think that you could punish if the league wants to do it where they don't want guys to have to fight for clean hits, maybe be a little more freeing or a little more open with the instigator. And we saw that, like, just give them, make it penalized more. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means just throw them out there. Just if you're going to, if I'm going to, um, you know, finish a hit on someone and it's clean and their teammate comes up to me, uh, automatically approaches me and, and starts something, then just give them two minutes. Don't wait to see if it's going to be a fight or don't wait to see if there's going to be this long process. But, um, you know, I, I, yeah, it's, it's happened all the time and, and there's times where, but you don't have to do anything, you know? And I think that that's where people it's, you know, if, if anything, I would say in that it just to stick on that same hit, Romanov probably shouldn't even gotten a penalty in the scrum. You know what I mean? Like, just if that's what you want to do, if a guy's defending himself on a clean hit, then yeah. don't don't penalize the guy. Penalize the guy at all. If you guys want to come in and you want to take a shot at him and you want to take a shot at him, that's two penalties. You guys are going to be down. Uh, it's going to be a five on three, and I think that would stop. It would make you at least pick your spots a little bit better. Um, you know, when your teammate gets hit, right. Um, just two more questions I wanted to ask if that's all good. Um, yeah. who is the craziest teammate you've ever played with on or off the ice? Craziest? In what way? What like craziest all over? Yeah, just just all <laughs> over. Oh man, there's uh so craziest teammates. Um, um Aaron Ashum was pretty crazy. He's pretty nuts. Uh um, in, in regards to like just what you saw on the ice as far as him being tough as nails and he just he's I, I say this in a really good way because I love Ash as a as a as a teammate his give a shit meter is just not very high like so my point is like if someone's gonna go and like say something yeah he just he just it just he doesn't care like he's just gonna let you know what he thinks. He doesn't care about like what you think of him. He is who he is. And that's what I really respect and love the bottom is that Aaron Ashton is Aaron Ashton. Like there's no pretentious anything with him. Uh, crazy though. Um, Cam Jansen's pretty nuts. Cam Jansen. Uh, we used to sit there. I remember Zach Parisi would joke around when we were in New Jersey. Uh, I remember distinctly. So I played uh, in the Ontario hockey league in, in Erie, Pennsylvania. Right. So I played for the Erie Otters. And uh, Cam Jansen played for the Windsor Spitfires. This he was he's younger than me though, so I already went on. And I remember when we were playing against. Uh, I was going to training camp, and I was skating with the Otters to get ready for training camp. And someone from the organization came up to me. They're like, "Oh, you guys got Cam Jansen in camp." I didn't know anything about Cam Jansen. They're like, "Wait till you see this guy. This guy's a maniac." Like, <laughs> I'm like, "What?" So I go into camp, and you know, Jansen is just like he's like built like a like a bowling ball. He's just solid and uh, strong. 
he's a great guy, but his, his mentality is always like fight mode, right? He's always, he's dialed in. So we would do team stretches in New Jersey where our strength coach would be like, all right, let's roll our shoulders. And guys are, we're doing, you know, this right hand, right arm, left arm. And so everyone else is going like this. Then you rotate and you go backwards. And I remember Parisi's like next to me and we do this every day. So it gets very like, well, you know, whatever you just kind of go through the motions and Parisi goes, Look at this guy over here. And we look at Jansen. He's doing, instead of just rolling his shoulders, he's he's going like this and he's throwing punches. He's like, <laughs> he's going, <laughs> rotating his shoulder. And then he's like going, <laughs> and we're like, this is for, before practice. And uh, we're all like looking at him. And so the boys start getting on him all the time about like everything you talk to him about resorts somehow back to fighting. You could be talking about a TV show and then it's like, oh, did you see that dude like years ago? He got his ass kicked by blah, blah, blah. Like, how does everything go back to fighting? So, but he brought up a really good point. And I love this about him. And he asked, you know, Cam's 5'10", I guess, 5'11", maybe. Um, not very big. And the role he had to play, he had to fight a lot of big dudes, big boys. And so one day someone said something to him about it. And, he, it, you know, Janny's usually like a guy who's just going to like laugh it off and just, you know, whatever. But one day, I think he had enough of kind of getting prodded in this. And he goes, guys, if I didn't act like this, I wouldn't be here right now. He goes, I have to, I have to act like this. He goes, I'm giving up five, six inches in every fight that I ever get in. He goes, so if I don't have, if everything's not about like, oh, I'm going to knock this guy out. Everything's about, oh, I'm going to do this, that. And it's, he, so it's almost like he does it for himself to like, to, to, to have that confidence, man. He was nuts. Yeah. He was nuts, but he was uh, a great teammate. He always had your back. Uh, I love Jenny. That's, that's really funny. Uh, one last quick one here for me. Uh, I've always heard NHL analysts and purists say how much they hate the shootout but i've never actually heard a player say it so like i'm just curious what players think of the shootout it's kind of topical right now because uh it's a different sport but like you know we've watched the world cup end in, in penalty kicks the last two nights uh what's what what do players think of the shootout do they like it do they hate it i don't know um yeah i don't know i i i think that um I don't know if it's changed, but when I was playing, I, I don't think that players are either way with it. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't, I think that depending on what time of year is, it's kind of the same thing. We can all deal with shootouts right now, even though all the points mean the same, like a yeah. loss in the shootout now means just as much as a loss in the shootout at the end of March. Yeah. But for whatever reason, late in the season, when you need to make ground on a team and they get to, you know, they get a shootout win or they get you know, it's or you see some teams when you look at the regulation wins, um, they're not very high, but they're high in the standings because they get all these whether you want the, the, the three on three overtime or shootout. Um, it, it It's like, how do you really decipher who earned their spot or not? The one thing I'll say, though, and it's they're not breaking the rules. And I you can even argue you can even argue Panarin's goal the other night. Oh, yeah. Remember the remember the Ryan Johansson? He's done it a few times uh in Nashville. He comes in, he's he's barely moving, barely yeah. moving. And there is a rule that you can't stop your before momentum. You can't like stop and come backwards. Um, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know how you change it, but that th there's some of it where it's like it's almost like not hockey, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I I would rather there be a way. 
to um i think three on three shows us a lot of skill because you don't want to do away with this the whole point is to show more skill and this league's never been more skilled than it is now the shootout does that but i think three on three does it as well do you do you prolong three on three do you um yeah i i don't have an answer for it i don't I'd have to assume that if I was to guess, most players would probably say they would like it to change, but no one really has an answer of what that would be. Hmm. I was just curious. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I got one more question over here. Uh, in the Winter Classic in 2012, uh, what possessed you to do the Yager salute on your goal? Uh, yeah, so um, first of all, it was – I. I learned in my career as I went along, like it, it almost became fun being like a villain to some degree. And it was, you get the same um, adrenaline from, it's almost like you get the same adrenaline from scoring a goal at home and your home fans cheering for you as you do getting booed in another building. And I liked when our teams got booed in another building. It, you can almost funnel that as being helping you um, emotionally in games too. So I always, and I hated Philly. I always, I mean, I came up in the devil's organization, hated Philly. We played against them in the minors in the American league, like a zillion times every year. It was awful. And they beat the snot out of us all the time. And as far as physically, and it was just like, I hate these guys. So it was actually, I, I played in Pittsburgh the year before I came to the Rangers. We hated Philly as well. I come to the Rangers and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be Islander. This is going to be Islanders rivalry and Devils rivalry. Because when I was with the Devils, the biggest one was the Rangers. And when I got to the Rangers, even though that year in 2012, we had a bunch of run-ins with the Devils in the Eastern Conference Finals as well, it didn't feel the same. It, it, the, the rivalry of the Devils didn't feel the same when I was on the Rangers side as it did when I was on the Devils side. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe this is going to be the Islanders. And the Islanders was big, but it didn't feel that big. The Islanders weren't good. So it wasn't like, and then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, there's history with the Flyers and the Rangers. And then that's, you know, the HBO 24 seven and all the stuff was hyping up. And I'm like, I didn't realize the hatred that the Rangers had for, for the Flyers too. So I'm like, okay, I can get around this a little bit more. And uh, so we, anyways, we, uh, the Yager thing. So I wanted to resign in Pittsburgh. Um, that's was home for me at the time and uh uh i had my two career my best two years in pittsburgh and so there's a pecking order of guys getting signed uh ufas from the team it was uh pascal dupuy tyler kennedy and myself kind of like one two three as far as order of importance so if you remember yager was playing in russia he was playing in the khl and there was some sort of loophole where he can talk to teams prior to the free agency opening because of whatever he's been out of the league for x amount of years whatever so he starts saying i want to come back to pittsburgh i want to make things right come full circle with mario i want to win a cup i want to play with sid and gino all those things so all of a sudden now he is thrown in front of me as well on that list too so i'm like oh okay i'm like that'd be cool i hope i can have that opportunity to play with the Yogs. that'd be incredible and so he's saying all this, but now my contract talks are stalled because they're trying to sign him. And so I know getting closer and closer to, to July 1st, I'm again, I'm coming off as a fourth liner. I'm coming off, you know, like 12, 13 goal season for 
for a fourth liner that plays nine minutes. Like that's, those are pretty good numbers for a fourth liner. And so I'm like, I know that I'm going to get more money and more term somewhere else. So I, I want to get this done because the closer I get to being a free agent, I know I'm going to leave. And uh, so this stalls everything. Uh, I end up going to July 1st and I narrow it down. Um, it was actually between Chicago and, and the, the Rangers. And I chose the Rangers and uh, then Yager ends up signing in, in Philly. And I'm just like, this guy had, he signed for Philly. Um, he, he was just, I, I felt like he, he was using the, the, he was using the penguins to get more money. And so I'm like, and that do it. That's your own thing. Like, that's all great. But I was pissed. Cause I'm like, all right, well that kind of affected me too. So, you know, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. so any, so it's kind of both things. I'm like, all right, I want to stick it to the flyers and the, their fans in Philly with the Rangers. And at the same time, you know, whatever screw yogs is kind of my my thing in my head but but I, I didn't know i didn't score enough i didn't score enough to like know i was gonna i i didn't know i was gonna score in that game are you kidding me and so i don't know it was just literally i scored and i just did it like there's no preconceived i didn't think before the game if i score i'm gonna do something like this whatever yeah. it just it just happened so um i've i've talked to yog since to make sure that he knew it wasn't disrespectful or was whatever i was my job is to be that be that pest, I guess, on the other side. And that's what I was. Yeah, that's really great. Um, all right. So I think we're going to end off here. Uh, Rupert, thank you so much. Before we go, uh, I know everyone knows here you're an NHL analyst. Uh, I know you have a That's Hockey Talk podcast. Uh, is there anything else do you want to post on here, Twitter handle, anything like that? Um, No, not really. I mean, it's pretty much, pretty much those things. I got that That's Hockey Talk is a uh, – branch off from the pat mcafee show so those guys are great and we're kind of growing that podcast and it's fun um this year i've been been uh doing some more doing some stuff with msg with the rangers broadcast so that's really fun i love doing that it's a new experience and uh you know i've been able to call a game or two uh or i got a few games coming up with kenny elbert on the radio for the rangers so i love it i love it i love watching these guys i love uh you know kind of getting more experiences doing this and and hope to have a good long run this year in uh in ranger country thank you so much Robert, for coming on uh hopefully